1: Have you ever met someone who has so much enthusiasm that you just want to be around them? Well, Jacob Martin is that kind of guy. He's the conference president for the God's Missionary Conference of Churches.
2: And this message was preached at the Allegheny Wesleyan Methodist Conference Pioneer Convention in 2002. It's a classic, and it's titled, Involving
3: Brings Blessing. You are going to enjoy this excellent sermon.
0: Take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. I don't want to lose the glory.
2: And I long for His... To share with you what I've been sharing with them, something that has been a blessing in my life. About four or five years ago, I sat down and I, uh, I started writing... Just, I had a thought. I want, I want to write down what blessings have come into my life because we got involved in children's ministries. What blessings that came into our life because we got involved in children's ministry or ministries into our community. And I was surprised and encouraged by all the things and events and situations that stem from a desire uh, to be a blessing and to be used of God in that kind of arena. About a month ago in devotion, I was reading a uh, portion of Scripture in Ezekiel. I was finishing up my Bible reading for the year, uh, ending in Ezekiel for something different. And I ran across the passage that, I mean, challenged me. I mean, spoke deeply to my heart, and I believe can speak deeply to every. Heart every person that's a pastor uh, in particular, and uh, us that go to churches and are laboring for God. uh, And that's going to be our text. If you would, stand with me. Look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. Ezekiel, chapter 34. Starting with verse 2, 3, and 4, and then verse 15 and 16. Now, I'm going to make a couple of comments when I go down through this text. And if you have some physical condition that you need to sit down, you can feel free to sit down. Recently, I shared this, and some older saint came up to me and said, uh, I have a problem with what you did tonight. I said, Oh, no. I thought, Where would I say, you know? Oh, my And they said, you should have let us sit down while you exhorted a little bit during that text. Okay. The next night I made sure that I listened to them, and I had them, you know, up, read it, sit quick. But primarily I did it because people sit quite a bit, and I thought a little change of position might be, might be helpful. Uh, and then they're going to be sitting later on a little longer, so I thought I was doing it for the benefit. But I do say that if you have a physical thing or something, you need to sit, and I get talking... You don't offend me any by sitting down, uh, etc. So I just pass that along because I do want to make a little comment while you're standing about this verse, how God just kind of just applied it so deeply in my heart and spirit. Here it is. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Now, whenever it says shepherds in the word of God, that strikes my attention because pastors, shepherds, that rings a bell. I'm a teacher now, so I'm shepherding students, guiding their lives, directing their lives. So when I read that kind of word, I just kind of hymn right in. What's God have to say to Jacob Martin? What's he have to say to me? So listen to these words. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with wool. You kill them that are fed. But you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. When's the last time you pursued a backslider? When's the last time we pursued a backslider. Sometimes we forget about them, don't we? You know, they left. That was their choice. You know, but sometimes years ago by and, and God's dealing over there again. And God's speaking over there again. Maybe once in a while we need to pray, God, who's been driven away that we can recapture for you? And he said, these shepherds They weren't pursuing any people that were driven away. And if I get the sense of what this is saying, I don't want to be like the ones he's talking about. Listen. Neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Now let's go on God's side of this. How God the Father thinks. What's God the Father's philosophy Of ministry. I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down. saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost. And bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken. And I will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy. The fat. And the strong. I will feed them. With judgment when I read this I couldn't help but think in my little old mind of some fat churches that I've seen in my time some of them small some of them mid-sized and some of them large I've seen some good holiness churches from man's point of view ended up getting divided. And I think I know why. The pastor gets content to feed himself. The people, the pew, they get content to feed themselves and get fat, spiritual blessings, good word of God. But they have no outflow. No outflow. And I have yet to see a church get bigger. And I've seen some that have not divided and started fighting and started destroying one another when they ceased to have outreach in their church one of the most dangerous places for a church to be is 50, 60, 70 where you can pay all your bills you have your own Sunday school teachers and you don't need anybody else and you watch it God will destroy it God said he'd bring judgment God has never been for, never will be for. Us feeding ourselves, getting fat, getting mature, we think, being spiritual, we think, and forgetting about the loss. You know what happens when a church falls apart? Then they start to all of a sudden, they need people. Then what do they start doing again? I got to go outside again. God will not let his mission be forgotten. Now, would it surprise you? If I say that God the Son would have the same philosophy as God the Father, that wouldn't shock us, would it at all, in our theology. So let's go to Luke chapter four, verse that was read today by Brother Blowers and his excellent presentation that he shared with us. Verse 18: Christ speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recover his sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You catch the connection? The same type, the same thrust. And what else do you think the Holy Spirit might be doing? working on the behalf of these so tonight like I tell them about the God's missionary folk these verses we need to let speak to us I've met some brethren that I think that they have a fat ministry and some people think they're really great people heroes and they never go out to get anybody on the outside they never try to bring a blind person, a person's been driven away they're content with just who they have and what they are. And God showed me a long time ago to be a hero in His sight. We gotta love the same things He loves, and we gotta hate the same things He hates. And sometimes I think we put up some wrong role models, and people's pursued them. Matter of fact, most of our old guys have been real heroes to us. Most of them, if you analyze them, they had a combination of being conservative and being evangelistic, together. Some of the others people put up in Hero, they're off on one direction or the other. But God's Word doesn't separate the two. They're to be together. Holy living, with a holy fire, and a holy passion. Let's pray. Lord, please help us these next moments together. I don't want to rush through. I want you to speak to us in a special way. I believe there's some here that you would like to do a great work in their hearts this evening. There's some you'd like to use some of this message to encourage them in their labors of love, to keep them focused on the right things. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and you would deal with our hearts and you would speak to me, oh God. Help me to keep my priorities straight when it comes to your kingdom and your work especially. We pray now that you'd help us for Jesus' sake. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I remember being in a camp meeting in a youth service and God's presence settled down. The young people were testifying. I left my seat and finally yielded to God and came to an altar of prayer. And I prayed and asked God to forgive me. And it's somewhere in the midst of that praying. God's spirit witnessed to me. I don't know how to explain it other than this. I had no more condemnation. I had no more guilt. I felt his peace. I was clear. It dawned on me. I'm not guilty. And the first thing I did after I said, praise God, I looked over to the other side of the altar rail, saw a young man over there. I didn't know him, but I walked right over to him and said, God has just saved me. He'll save you too. And I started praying with him. I didn't conjure that up. I didn't make that up. It was born. Now, I don't say that you have to act like that after you get saved as far as the exact detail. But I've yet to see a person get genuinely saved that did not want someone else to be saved. The only person that's like that is someone that's been warped in their mind, warped in their concept. Because when God gives you the best thing on this side of eternity, eternal life, you can't but help want someone else. To experience it. Now, you may not have the know-how. You may not know what to say. You may be kind of anxiety, but you'll want them to know. Yeah. You'll want to be involved. Involvement begins in the born-again experience with God. I've seen all kinds of different people get saved, all different kinds of backgrounds, and every one of them wanted to bring somebody to church. You get a new person saved, what do they do? They become the best collection agent for God. What happened? I got to tell somebody this. Unless we get somewhere where it's quenched, or we fail to cultivate that, God will make that brighter and brighter and brighter. God will help us to keep it alive. I want to talk to you about involvement brings blessings. You know, we talk about, and we should, loving God with all of our heart. But that's not where Jesus stopped this thing. Jesus said we're to love God with all of our heart, but we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those two are the great commandments in one. And I believe that holiness of life brings both of them together. To love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was very clear to that lawyer that asked him, who is my neighbor? And Jesus shortcut through it all. He gave an example of religious people that passed by a man that has need. And he had that good Samaritan. What was Jesus saying? Who's my neighbor? Anybody I can be a neighbor to. So it went out of our, to my left or to the right of my home. And it went down the street throughout our community to the next town. Who can you be a neighbor to? That's the person that you ought to love. So God puts it right at our feet and we read in Ezekiel and we read in Luke that God cares for people, broken people, hurting people, needy people. He didn't come for those that are whole, but for those that are sick. The whole don't need a physician, but those that are lame and bruised and broken. And may God give us his kind of heart. And I have to believe that when we get saved, that the love of God shed abroad in our hearts starts this fire it starts this spark and then we need to let god cultivate us in us this developed again as i was sitting down and thinking that several years back i got involved in the children's ministry now i don't believe you have to do it this way but i went to our church at sunbury there was 32 half of them were going to leave they were fighting the church had went down over a number of years half of them's about ready to walk out yet god called me to go there and he called me to go there for six or seven years. I knew it. That settled a lot of things for me. But I told him on my trial sermon message, I leveled with him. And I don't think you always have to level with them, like I did. But I said this to him. If you don't want somebody that's going to reach out in this community, if you, don't want, if you don't want me to do it, don't vote for me. I told him exactly what we was going to do, where we was going, what I felt God wanted us to do. If they don't want it, forget it. I wasn't coming to play games. There's enough game playing going around. We need some people to be serious about God and his business. This is eternal. And I told him we was going to have a children's ministry. I told him what we was going to do with that children's ministry. And what the reason for that children's ministry. Now several years later. As God has helped us through the years. I sat down and start writing down. What's some of the blessings. Because we desired to be a blessing. And I wasn't thinking that I'm going to reap something. But looking back on it. I was the one that received so many blessings by becoming involved in the life of others. So I want to share those with you. It, it breaks down in two major headings with some subpoints. The first major heading is I noticed that there was the blessing of personal growth in my life. The blessings of personal growth. Yes. The first thing I noticed is that there was the blessing of a burden. The blessing of a burden. Have you ever heard anybody say this? I have one a number of times. Time. Lord, give me a burden. And they're praying. Pray that God will give me a burden. Pray that I'll get a burden. Friends, you know what I found out? When I become involved in the lives of others, I didn't have to pray, Lord, give me a burden. That's right. I don't have to. You know when I had to pray that way in my life? When I was not involved in the lives of people that were needy. When I go out and I had those little kids and i had pick them up and they'd tell me about their mommy leaving or their daddy leaving, I didn't have to pray, Lord, give me a burden. When I looked in their little innocent face and things are being ripped out of their life and their dad comes home drunk, I don't have to pray, Lord, give me a burden. I left with a burden on my lips and on my heart. God, help them kids. Lord, help them, Jesus. I didn't have to pray. Give me a burden. When you see a drug addict all bound down, you talk to him. He can't get free. No, sir. I received the blessing of a burden. I'd leave his place, or I'd have prayer with him and leave his place. Oh God, free! Lord, help me to see that you can free him. Yeah. One of the things that bring a burden back to our churches is not praying for a burden; it's taking a step. To be involved in the lives of the broken and the needy. And while you do that, you'll find yourself with an automatic burden. And if you don't, you're pretty hard-hearted. Because if Jesus' heart is in us, and his love is in us, it will find itself reaching out to the hurting, getting involved in their life, wanting them to improve, wanting... yeah. What a blessing as I looked upon my life and thought, you know, God's helped me through life to keep a measure of burden in my life, a measure of concern, all because of that children's ministry we started. Second thing I noticed about one of these blessings is the blessings of studying the Bible. The blessings of studying the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. I remember a little Spanish girl, beautiful, dark hair, beautiful brown eyes, little Nelda. Picked her up on the the van and things and bus later on. And and lo and behold, Nelda, I've come out of round the vestibule one morning, and there she was in the hallway, and she said, Pastor Martin. I said, What, Nelda? She said, Got a question for you. I said, Okay. What is it? She said, Pastor Martin. If we both come from Adam and Eve, how come you look like you do and I look like I do? (laughs) You ask your teacher. (laughs) But you know what? That wasn't the first time I asked that question. So before that, I had to do me some studying. One thing's for sure the Bible says is that Eve is the mother of all living. That's what it says in the book of Genesis. So whatever your theory is, you better anchor it right there. Come from the same species, by the way. Some people don't think so. And I won't go there. But I'm going to tell you come from the same species. And definitely has a soul. Don't go south too much, or you may find some really weird interpretations. I am going to say this, though. You know what? Not only Nelda. But I've had so many new people and so many people from different beliefs ask me different questions that it's drove me back to the Word of God. What a blessing. And listen, I've had to tell out how many people, Now this sounds real good, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Oh, but what a blessing. Because you know why? Because I know that I'm going to say, listen, I don't know that yet, but let me study that. And I'll be back with you next week. I'll get back with you. And we'll go over that. I can bring my Bible and have a Bible study with them.
3: Yeah, what a blessing.
2: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. Matter of fact, people will appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so what a blessing. I get to go home, study my Bible. Now, I have people ask me what I believe about a lot of subjects. And you know what? Today, I have more confidence in lots of subjects than I would have ever had. Had I not been challenged? And by religious people, instead of getting all worked up about them, I said, well, let me go study that. We'll get back together. Yeah. I've had, I don't know how many Bible studies. It's fun. Yeah. And you know what I discovered? You know what I discovered? Tell you one thing, is that God has blessed my life because he has caused this involvement to cause me to study my Bible so that I could get to know God better get to know his word better so I could be a more effective servant for him yeah and you know what if it hadn't been for new people if it hadn't been people in some cults if it hadn't been for some people from some other different religions I wouldn't know my Bible half as well as I know it but they've been a blessing to me yeah a matter of fact some of them God's been able to use me to lead and I've even learned some things from some of them some people have such a glamoration of you couldn't put together in a theology package because they've got them from all different kind of views. It takes a while to sort out some of them. But I tell you what, I kind of like some of that stuff and like a little detective work and stuff like that. So that gives me a little bit of hobby and little things to work on. I'm just saying this. You and I get involved in the lives of others. We'll be blessed because we have to study the Bible. One thing I want to say about that. Again, truth can stand on its own feet. And when I get all worked up and upset and worked over, maybe I'm not so sure that I believe what I believe. If it's true and it's biblical, you can shake down, step on it, shake it. I'm not afraid that I'm going to come out on wrong on this. If I am wrong, I need to be taught what's right. But if it's truth, it can stand. So when I go in there, I'm not afraid. I had to do a Bible study with a Baptist one time. He was down there at a, a, um, a Wyatt-the-Well kind of like thing. We played basketball down there. They weren't allowed to do certain things. I went in there. He got saved about the same time as me. We'd been Christian two years and some. And God was working in his life, leading him. And he kept saying, we're all sinners and we're all this and we're all this. And oh, he started to irritate me. <laughs> you know, the only difference between you and me, you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. I'm a saved sinner and you're a lost sinner. But he had so many good things to say. He preached good
3: things.
2: And it irritated me so much. I thought, you know what? Either he's right and I'm wrong or I'm right and he's wrong. So I went home and did a study on the word sinner and saint. And I come out of that more convinced of my position than ever before. I went back and took it to him. Showed him the Bible study. He said, I don't have to pray about this. I watched God lead his life, direct his life. And that man, his wife started wearing dresses and come along in different areas. Yeah. I am just trying to be like Aquila a and Priscilla. And showing the more excellent way. He was as saved as any man I ever met. He got delivered from his pornography and his alcohol, and God put his marriage back together. He just didn't know a whole lot of things that I knew. So I guess I could just thank God for the fact that He had let me in some little light that that man never had. Instead of putting him down, maybe I could try to give him a hand up. Amen. If it's truth, if it's truth, boys, young men, young ladies, you can stand on it. And it will come out sure. We don't have to back away. We got, we got the Word on our side. And then when you do, you can have confidence. Thank God for the privilege of being involved in studying and helping me study the Bible. The other one, involvement brings the blessing of praise on the lips. Oh, I like this. I like this. Praise on the lips. I remember at our church there was a fellow that got saved. Now, I didn't tell people in our church all about him because I was afraid some of the guys wouldn't hug him. Because he was a bisexual Before he was converted, that's not really good. And matter of fact, I knew that, you know, how some guys get happy and they hug other guys, and I thought, they'll never hug that poor man again. And some of the ladies hug each other when they're happy and they cry. And I thought, you know, that wouldn't really be fair, would it? For them to hold his past against him when he's a new creature in Christ Jesus, would that be very fair? I had people in our church that had AIDS. I didn't go telling everybody because I was afraid they may not shake their heads. You'd have never known it because you had seen that guy. I mean, he, but I knew a story new from his drugs. He he had AIDS, and there were times in his life he had hospital experience and bad things. Yeah, I didn't go around sharing all that because I thought, you know, they may not be real, real cordial. But I remember this guy getting saved, and he was poor. I mean poor, him and his wife. And one of the guys at the church, he'd come from a church that did no outreach, and it split all over the place. And he come into our church for a while. And this outreach thing just wasn't, you know. And he was trying to find his way. And he thought he'd, he'd visit that guy. And he, they butchered a beef. And, man, he took beef over to him, groceries. And I'm just smiling because I thought if he only knew. <laughs> so, anyway, I tried to be a good pastor and encourage him. And, and he did. That night at church, this guy, I mean, he read his Bible more than any of the saints in the church when he got saved. I mean, he needed strength. He needed weapons to fight against the devil. I mean, he devoured the Bible. I mean, book after book after book. I don't know, something like maybe 17 chapters uh, within maybe like, I don't know, three weeks or so. I mean, 17 books, I'm sorry, of the Bible. I mean, yeah, he needed to survive. All of a sudden, in the church service, this guy gets up that's had all these problems. And he testifies how Jesus is helping him. And how a brother come over and give him food. And how a special. And he's bawling and crying, whatever. I'm up front sitting. And all of a sudden, from the back, this guy that was never involved in this. All of a sudden, I heard him. This is what we're coming to church for. And they with his hand like this. This is what we're
3: coming to church for.
2: And I'm saying, get him, Lord. Get him, Lord.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You really do that? Yes, I do. I tell you what, I was thrilled to death because I knew that's the way it worked in my life. You get involved in someone else's life, they start getting help, and all of a sudden a praise comes on your lips. I think we'd have more people with some praises. He couldn't even help himself. That's what I like when they get one of them overflows. They can't even help themselves. What happened? He got involved, and God blessed him because he got involved. He could see that he was useful. He could see that he was helpful. And I tell you what, you want some praise on your lips and it hadn't been there for a while, go find a broken, poor, needy person that needs God and be a blessing. You'll find a praise on your lips. Yeah. I kind of think that's why the Lord's given me the disposition He's given to me over the years. My wife, you could talk to her, I don't say this braggingly or whatever, but um, I'm a pretty upbeat person. Not all by personality. I know where I've been in my journey. I know this, that by all the involvement in my life, I think that praise has helped my personality. I think that praise has helped my life. I think that praise has helped me to keep a better perspective on life when I could have been discouraged. But by being, trying to be a blessing and say, God, make me a blessing. God has just turned around in my vessel. Yeah. And give praise on my lips. That I think if I'd been like some guys, I'd been all discouraged. Because I haven't had it all easy in my pastor, But you know there's been enough praise coming up my, on my lips to help offset some of the battles and some of the tests and some of the reverses. There was enough involvement to keep a praise. And thank God for it. The praise on the lips. Involvement brings the blessing of personal fulfillment. You remember that lady that I told you about that I volunteered her to lead our women's ministry? I announced it from the pulpit before she told me yes and I signed her up. It was a great way to do it. One of the blessings of an unorganized church. You can do what you want. Sorry, brother Cope. <laughs> you know, I had to make all the decisions, put who I thought was the best person. So I just put who I thought was the best person. Pray about it, think about it, get God to direct me, and then put them in charge, whether they wanted to or not, sometimes. And then you know what happened? Sister Vicky was a good praying woman. She loved the Lord she wasn't involved in the church matter of fact she'd come from a church that split that got fat a different one said she'd never do anything in church again it just you know what happened to their church they had outreach one time in their church and they quit it they didn't need them anymore they didn't need them trailer people they didn't need those people lower and you know what happened after 5-6 years they started picking on one another the issues become so big they started fighting and dividing and cutting yeah, just like God said, judgment comes to the house. It, I'm telling you, friends, it's one of the best churches i ever known. I've known some tremendous churches that ripped apart, and I vandalized them, and the outreach wasn't there. They cease, and God will not have anything to do with it. You can call them great saints. I've known them with five and six prayer meetings a week, and it won't hold up. I still am confused how you can have five or six prayer meetings a week and know God so well and never go out after your neighbor. Right. I, don't under, I don't understand that. I still haven't figured that one out. How you can love God so intently and talk to him so much <laughs> and never hear him say, go for your neighbor.
3: That's
2: right. I, bl- uh, I have to put that to God and leave it with God because I don't understand that a bit. God knows most of us need to pray more. Me too. What I'm telling you about, Sister Vicky. I remember her coming to me we put her in charge she started visiting people you know give her the how to do this and give her some pointers my wife helped her set it up and and she started going out calling she comes into church right after she started she looked at pastor martin she said i'm seeing it just i'm not exaggerating i'm intense man she's quiet here she is i saw a new christian growing i thought the lord's got her now
3: <laughs> and you
2: know what He's got her so well that over the last number of years, you don't have to tell her to do anything. Uh Uh-uh. She finds fulfillment. Mm -hmm. She finds being blessed. She organized the whole thing. It runs by her her doing it. And she's got the other ladies involved. They do their tasks. It's just phenomenal. But you know why? Because this involvement got inside of her. She she saw that God was using her. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. This is probably off the subject. Somewhat. But I think there's a little application here. And for some reason I've been feeling the Lord wants me to say this. And I'm going to put it carefully. I don't believe this is a 100% statement. I don't believe that I know every answer on this subject. But I think some of midlife crisis happens to people. Some. Because they're not fulfilled. They haven't found a niche. They haven't found success in their own eyes. They haven't found a fulfillment. And I think it's because some of the people haven't got involved in another people's life and had some of that need met. I'm not saying it's all the answers, but I think there's something there about a lack. Why a guy switches in midstream to other things, some must have been because they haven't felt a success in what they're doing presently. And they haven't felt that because they haven't been involved in the lives of others. I don't know why I'm saying all that, but I'm saying that. There's a part of fulfillment that's necessary for your life and my life where there will not be satisfaction. Involvement brings the blessing of using your talents and gifts for God. Talents and gifts for God. Again, that's in that fulfillment of those things. Listen to this. He couldn't speak before a crowd. He couldn't teach a class. But when he came to Sunday school, he brought the folks in mass. He couldn't sing to save his life and public couldn't pray but always his jalopy was crammed on each Lord's day. And although he could not sing nor teach nor lead a prayer, he listened well, he had a smile and he was always there with all the others whom he brought who lived both near and far and God's work prospered because he had a consecrated car. Yeah. And you know what? I've met couple that's had concentrated cars one older man was 75 up to somewhere in there 75 to 80 he would bring kids from his community community whoever wanted to ride in his jalopy to Lord's house he did it for a long time I thought now there's the kind of older person I like yeah I mean he couldn't do a whole lot of things that other people could do But there's some people that could be a great grandma and grandpa to kids on the street. You know, there's some grandmas and grandpas that could go around and knock on doors that the people would trust a lot better than some of us others. I believe that. And God would have a task, and I think they could load their cars. I mean, I'm all for bus ministries, and I'm for van ministries, but I tell you what, I'm really for car ministries. And I think we about lost it. In car ministries, now I'm going to get tough because I do this to God's missionary people. If you have a car that these kids can't ride in, That's right. yeah. it's not God's car.
3: That's right. That's
2: right. Mm-hmm. I'm about to be tough there. If if kids from the street can't ride on it, or an older person or a person in need can't ride in that car, that car is too nice. That's right. yeah. Sell it. I'm not even joking. Sell it. Get rid of it. God's not pleased with it. It's not consecrated. It's not God's. And Christians, everything they have and are is God's. Yeah. Now, I was hard there. I knew you'd all agree with me. But your arms and your legs are God's too. And how much are we using them for God? These voices are God's. And He has a right to them. And what do you think He might like to do with them? We can't get rid of them, can we? So let's use them. Let's use them. You could play a horn. I wish some people in church would get convicted. They ought to get them out and play them. They have a talent buried for years. And what a blessing they are in the church service. I know I pastored and had some use them. Also had some that had buried treasures. I mean, if God gives you a talent and God gives you abilities, God expects us to use them. And you'll find fulfillment by using them for the glory of God. Yeah, that's right. Whether it be your car, or your trumpet, or your voice. or Yeah, so God help us to use them. That's, guess what? This next one's even tougher. Oh, no. Involvement brings the blessing of discipline into one's life. Uh-oh. Every time I say that, there's some people in church, I don't like that word. Discipline? <laughs> you probably heard that around school here, haven't you? That's- what an ugly word, discipline Well I'm going to tell you what We need it, I need it Listen to John Wesley on a little different Angle of discipline Here's what he says A little article, no taste for it A very proper view of John Wesley Is had in this comment The devil The devil does not like field preaching Neither do I I love a nice room, a soft cushion, a handsome pulpit. But where is my zeal if I do not trample all these under my feet to save one soul? You know what? Jacob Martin never liked nursing home services. Can you imagine that? As calm, collective as I am, laid back. You'd think I'd love nursing home service. All that life around there. (laughs) but Jacob Martin has been involved in nursing home ministries every pastor I've been do you know why because it's right you catch that because it's right I went to nursing home services for years now my wife loves them she starts them on her own I inherit them wants to do them so
3: Jacob Martin
2: and I tried to quit and the Lord says no I don't like them so what so what what what, what does that have to do with this you know I appreciate one lady got saved at our church she said pastor I don't like long hair I like short hair she said but the Bible says I'm to have long hair so I'm going to grow my hair long That's the kind of Christians I like to see dug out. She was a new person that got saved. She wasn't going about how she feels. We run so much on feelings, no wonder God's work doesn't get accomplished or done. John Wesley said, I trampled under my feet for one. You know what happened? I prayed, God, help me to like this better. And I go there and for years went there. And finally, you know what happened? It was weird. I decided that I was going to keep And I was going to do my best. And you know what I did? I'm not for this going to nursing home service and give them all this leftover junk stuff, I call it. These people, you're the last person that's going to see them before eternity. And God was showing me and made it very vivid to me that this is the last time they have a chance. And they're still alive, some of them. And I was going there to minister to that one that could be encouraged. Not the one that wasn't hearing. Not the one that was having problems. I was going there to be the blessing to that one. Now I set my eyes on that one. That's right. I preach to them my Sunday morning or Sunday night sermon that I preached at my church. I give them my best. I go ahead and preach just like I'm preaching to you. Sometimes I walk around and I preach and once in a while I even yell a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes... I'd pick the most encouraging one out of the two and just try to give them an encouragement. You know? Well, I said, forget it. Just give them a little bit. Try to encourage them. You know what happened? God started working my heart because I was doing what I needed to be doing. And I started doing it for the right reasons. I started doing it with all my heart and all my being. Till all of a sudden, Jacob Martin started going kind of liking it. I don't know, isn't this strange? They I have a little old lady, you know? Father, come here. Father. <laughs> and I went down like this, and she go.
3: <laughs>
2: Father got a kissy.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but you know what? On well, a couple occasions, we had some tremendous things happen. We saw a guy, Bill Conrad, get saved. Prayed. And he got clear with God. Expect to see him in heaven. I'm telling you what. I'm just saying this, I don't feel like knocking on doors. It's not my personality. I'm telling you what, if we get back to the business doing God's work, God's way, we're not doing it by our feelings. We're doing it because it's right. it's
3: right.
2: And when we do it because it's right, we'll find that God blesses us and strengthens us and uses us, John Wesley, for one soul. You know what? I've been to churches, and they have van routes, bus, bus routes, children's ministries. And I've been there different times, different places, and I'll hear something like this. Oh, we only had six today. They were discouraged. Because they only had six, they've been having 20-something. So only six today. Sorry, but I go after them. What? you down for you have six people that wouldn't have been here today six people that are eternal souls and you're down that six wouldn't even have a chance if it wasn't for you I thought you weren't in it for numbers
3: <laughs> well I'm
2: not very nice am I that's what I do Maybe we are a little bit more than we think we are sometimes. Why so much discouragement? Why so much discouragement? See, I'm in this thing for one soul. God gives me two, I'm happy. But I'll tell you what, I am in it for one soul. And I've labored a place all my life for one soul. And that's no joke. That's no joke. i would labor my whole life for five kids on a van route that gives them a chance to know Jesus. And the devil would like me to get discouraged because I went from 20 to 6, so I'll get out of it completely. And he's not pulling that one on me. Mm-mm. He's not getting me leave my church because things are a little downturn. Uh-uh. There's souls there that need Jesus and God's using me there. I'm going to focus in on them. We do it in Christian schools. I've watched it over at our school. You get about five bad eggs. Rotten. And boy, your attention goes on them so much. And you're just caught up. How can we get them better? And then we think, man, the school's doing bad. God showed me one time. Wait a second. There's 20 right there trying to follow God, do what God wants them to do. You're so focused in on them five. You see? And now you can't even be a blessing to these because you got all your energy over there. Let it go a little bit. Go help the ones that want to be helped. In our churches, I know it's easy. Man, the larger the church is, the worse it is emotionally. Yes, some doing the best they've ever done, some doing the worst they've ever done, and some of them in between. You could be a roller coaster career. They think they want them bigger churches, some of them. <laughs> I just smile.
3: <laughs>
2: yes, right. You have to learn how to handle it. You have to learn... Not to focus in on that one or two things the devil's trying to get you so agitated about and so distracted by that you forget to be a blessing. God is helping us here. Don't you be looking at the waves that splash around all the time. Look at a tide in somebody's life. God's helping them. God's helping them to grow. God's making them a blessing. the Lord We are in it for one soul. We are in it for souls. We're not in it for numbers. So we're not going to be discouraged by the things that discourage normal men. Because we've settled it with God that we'll labor for him at our place for one soul. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, fellas, you've got to call to preach young guys. Just get your eye on one soul. Get your eye on one soul. And I'll tell you what I happened. God will put you where he wants you to be. He'll lead your life. You're faithful in little things. God will make you whatever, it wants, whatever he wants out of your life. And I'm telling you this. I've already told the Lord. He already knows I'm signed up for a home whole so I'm at my next church. If I have my way. Now I don't know if I'm going to get my way. But if I have my way, we're going to start a church or we'll go to a struggling one. That's right. Try to encourage some that's been discouraged for a lot of years. I guess I got some underdog blood in me. Underdog blood in me. One soul is worth the whole world. It's worth my whole lifetime of investment. I guess that would keep me encouraged, wouldn't it? If I can see that one soul. I wouldn't go spend so much time there, but God knows the reasons. Let's go to the next major point, the blessings of church growth. The blessings of personal growth, a whole lot of things that transpired in my life. And I started to jot down the blessings of church growth. Involvement brings the blessing of church unity. Acts chapter 6, you remember the story? The Grecian widows were complaining. Now the church could have responded this way. Oh, them widows, all they ever do, they're nosy, nosy. They got so much time on their hand, that's all they have to think about problems. They get involved with somebody's life, they wouldn't have all this time on their hand to think of all these things. Some of you thought that. And I'm telling you, sometimes we make a great mistake. The early church was smart enough to analyze the problem with God's direction. There may have been some things that they were saying that were false. Some things that were not true. But when the, disciple, the the elders here, deacons rather, analyzed this, they saw there was a grain of truth in here that merited a new ministry. And sometimes we've got to be wiser when we're working with people. Some people come emotionally because it's a problem. And you can't just, just listen to all they're saying. You've got to sense what is really the problem. And some of them, we'd have church unity if we'd go ahead and say, you know what, we could do a better job here. I do have in this area right here, I can see that. Now, in this case, there was a new ministry started, and you know what happened? It strengthened the church. If they would have ignored it, you know what would have happened? It would have went into disunity and splitting. And in our churches, I've noticed that the blessing of unity happens by involvement, a new ministry started. I remembered our church. I told you there's 32. Half of them were going to leave and the fight was on. I come to church. It was quite a unique experience. Everybody that liked the last pastor, there was a group of them that was glad that he left. When I come in, all them people like me. Isn't that amazing? Then the people that was on the other side of that, they didn't care so much for me because those people over there liked me. I hadn't done anything yet. Uh, this is good but I knew what I was getting into so don't feel sorry for me
3: <laughs>
2: and I got in there and um, first week I thought here we go, we have VBS we have 14 brand new ones some new kids, teenagers, new grandma that come to the service, plus some others but grandma come back the next week she come back for a couple weeks we had services and grandma told me after church she said I'm not coming back anymore what? She said, my kids or grandkids are horrible. You can't preach, right? I mean, you know, they're distracting the preaching. I can't hear what's been said. There's no use for me to be here. She said, if you had a junior church or something, I would come. They could go that, then I could pay attention to the preaching. Without board approval, I said, uh, we're having something for your kids next week. We'll have a junior church. we we'll something. you be here next week, and we'll take care of your kids. That was a said deal, done deal. I didn't have any choice. There's an eternal soul not going to hear the word of God. I have no choices from my perspective. So I talked to the people. What are we going to do this week? We worked out some things. We got somebody back there, took her kids. She'd come to church. Tell you what, just a few weeks later, you know what happened? Nancy got saved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know what happened to our fighting? It goes, (laughs) It did. It bought us six months of people getting halfway along with one another. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they just, she would stand up. She knew nothing. I mean, she, she was kind of crude and rude sometimes because she used slang words. And you could see the, the wonderful saints of God that when she would talk, like, she didn't curse, but I mean, it was close.
3: And, and they just, woo.
2: I just like, whoo. I loved it. And I just like, whoo. And she's buying us time very needed time for god to start to work with us and you know what i've seen happen over and over again in our church when a new person got saved there's little things come up all of a sudden their eyes go whoo and it would buy us time you know what happened after a while god brought our church together that we had a purpose and it wasn't to fight with one another it was the purpose in Ezekiel. It was the purpose in Luke that God had a mission for our church. God had a cause for our church. God had something for our church to do. And God turned things around until in our church there become a unity, a oneness, a purpose. Till when we left the church, God knows this to be true that over 90% of our people were involved in some type of ministry at our church. Whether it was household of faith ministries, whether it was women's ministries, whether it was knocking on door, whether it was uh, going to visit shut-ins or whatever. of them, 90-some percent of them, had something they was doing for God. Yeah. And I think a good church ought to have all different types of ministries. There's some people that's going to be jail ministries, some nursing home, some knocking on doors. A good, healthy church probably has a whole bunch of things happening. And you know what happens when they keep the main thing first? It helps us work through the other things. But you take the main thing out, and you watch what happens. I told you, so I won't go there again. Okay. Involvement not only brings church unity, but it brings the blessing of the power of God. The power of God. Hey, do you know what have you experienced Bible math? One shall chase a how many? A thousand? Two shall chase ten thousand. Isn't that neat? That is what. One can chase, that's in Deuteronomy, one can chase a thousand to ten thousand. Now, some of you have been complaining because you're from a small church. How many people was in your town, by the way? And if you use Bible math on them, how many is it going to take you to chase that town around?
3: <laughs>
2: now I'm not joking about this thing. You ever see what God did in the Old Testament, New Testament, when his people was outnumbered? Out equipped, out financed. You know, Israel won quite a few battles that way, didn't she? With the power of God. Why? Because God told her one could chase a thousand and two can chase ten thousand. And if we quit, we're not going to have money. How much money does it take to run God's plan? Two by two. We said, well, I've had money for this. I don't care if I don't have money. I'm going out with no brochures. That's right. I'm not mad. God said, go. When God's plan is followed, God's plan brings results. Why do you think the cults are so effective? I'll tell you why. Because they're using God's method. It don't matter if you're doing false or true. If you use God's method, it has benefits, friends. That's right. They use God's method. And I said this the other night, but our holiness churches ought to be on the books. When we knock on the door, they ought to think, are you from the holiness church? Not the Baptist church. Not Jehovah Witness. Not the Mormon. Are you from the Holiness Church? You're from the Holiness... Yes. You know what? I believe if we could believe the promises God, I believe that it doesn't take very many people. My home church had 12 when it started and went over 100 uh, as God was helping it. Why? Because 12 people wanted a church. Twelve people wanted God to move. Twelve people was willing to get involved. Twelve people were willing to invite. Twelve people were willing to testify. Twelve people wanted to see God do something. And God helped to dig out a church. One can chase a thousand. Two, ten thousand. How many is needed for your town? What we need is the power of God. And God says, go and I'll be with you. Listen, this power of God is a thrilling thing. One of the blessings involvement, I met I, at, at our church. You meet all kinds of people out in the community, rather. I remember I got a call on the phone from a guy, a family, rather, about a guy. The guy committed suicide. They wanted to know if I'd had the funeral. They told me the name. I wasn't making a connection at first. So I went to their house and they explained who it was. I thought, oh my, Jimmy. Tell you what there's ever a man that was relieved that I had testified to him I had talked to him about his soul I'd invited him to church a number of times I only saw him maybe five six times but for some reason I testified to him I witnessed to him I tried to see him get saved was I ever glad that I had talked to him can you imagine trying to do a suicide funeral and you knew the guy and you never talked to the guy I don't know, friends, if I could have handled that. But God, in his mercy, had prompted me enough and helped me enough that I did do that. And I knew that I'd talked to him, and I knew that God was faithful to him. I had to have a funeral. Those kids, his relatives come to our church. I meant the nephews and nieces. Actually, there was three families of them on our bus route. That was their uncle. They wanted me to have the funeral. So I said I would. Nobody in this family basically liked him. It was an outcast, so to speak, but they was going to come have it in the church. There was between ninety and hundred there. Three Christians in the congregation: my wife, me, and Sister Vicky. And there was a couple that professed from his family, so be five total. I'm going to tell you about the power of God. I come in. I was in the back greeting people. It's almost time to start. Different people have different customs. Around our place, the way I do it when I have a funeral, I'll go up. Of course, it was a cremation. It was on the communion table, the ashes, and a picture. My practice is at a funeral, before I go up to the pulpit area or whatever, I go, view, go view the body, and then I go ahead and go up. So what happened, I'm coming down this aisle, and somebody jumps up. One of the ladies that I knew from the kids jumps up and says, Pastor Martin, Pastor Martin. I said, what? So don't be upset. What's wrong? That picture up front on the table doesn't look very good. It's the only picture we had of him. Okay? And I'm walking while I'm saying this and I end up at that picture Whew. on the communion table. A can of beer in one hand, sticking his middle finger up at the other hand in defiance. Yeah. I said, "She said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." I said, "Don't worry about it. We'll go on with the service, and then get back to seats. Okay, you'll be okay." Yeah, I didn't knock it over.
3: <laughs>
2: I went up, knelt down to pray. I'm gonna tell you something. God was gonna have me preach this funeral, unlike any funeral I ever preached in my life. I was gonna preach a message on influence. God helped me to do a couple snapshot pictures cameras of his youth. I use this little picture photograph from the past to try to bring some good memories and focus on some good memories and brought a camera with me, did a few little object lessons kind of with that and, and then we went to the heavier stuff. But God wanted me to go ahead and share some things about my past that I don't share very often. About some of my background from the coal mine town before my mom got saved and we moved to Lancaster. Some events and things that I've seen in my eyes and Things I've seen and my grandfather shooting a guy and other events. Alcohol and drugs and immorality. I never even thought about sharing any of this at a funeral. I didn't even know who was going to be there. And when I get here, 90 to 100 people show up. Rugged people. Drunks, drug addicts. Beautiful start. Huh? And I get up to preach and pray. And I'm going tell you what a privilege of being involved in God's work God come on me God come in that church you picture the best camp meeting you've ever been in with the presence of God and I've been to some good ones but the strongest presence of God that you've ever been in a camp meeting or service God come in our church for those broken people. I felt God all over me. Every word I'm speaking. God's taken out to them. I'm at eye level with them. I put it on the line with them. I said these kids here. I was crying. These kids here come to our church. You're leading them to heaven. Or you're leading them to hell. I talked about influence and drugs and drink. What did in my life. I talked about my mom praying. And why I'm before you today. Is because my mom chose to obey God. And that gave me a chance to follow God. God was so on that place. Wow. I'll never forget it. They talked about it for weeks after that. Man, we felt that was different. Yeah. You know what? I would have missed one of the biggest blessings in my life if it wasn't for being involved with those kids. And the influence and possibilities that brung those kids in those homes. I've been set with drug addicts and alcoholics. One of them, I remember one time there 7, six, seven, eight there. And old Dick, he was, a, every time I see him, he had a beer can. Every time. Alcoholic, big time, rugged. I remember going up there, and he'd say, one day he was out there, and he said, Hey, preacher. I said, What? He said, Tell us about it. I said, Okay. And buddy, I just laid the hammer down, preached the gospel to them. God's all over the place. And on me, I wouldn't trade it for a world. Mm -mm. What a great privilege to be involved in God and feel his presence. Go in homes and all of a sudden. I know why he did it. It wasn't that I was so great. Uh, uh, Had little to do with me. Had a whole lot with Jesus trying to love them and touch them through me. I don't know how many times I see a tear go down their cheek. alcoholic, You know, I can't stand smoke. I hate it. It burns my eyes bad. But my eyes are God's. And I've let these eyes get burned a lot of times. I can't stand it. i smelled smoky many times. I've been around those. Matter of fact, some people, keep your kids away from it. Keep your kids. Uh-uh. I've taken my kids to their homes. Mm-hmm. You would? Absolutely. My kids are very sensitive to Jesus. They love Jesus with all their heart. They are appalled at sin. You know what happens when I take them and they're drinking and they're carrying on and I go there to visit that home, make my call on a Saturday? You know what happens to them? Daddy. They are hurt. They pray for them, kids. They don't have a mommy and daddy like that. They're thankful they have Christians home. Yeah. That, uh-uh. I wasn't shielding mine from everything. I shielded them from some things. But I let them go. They invite me over for a birthday party. Kids' birthday party. Can you imagine? I took my kids along. They wanted my kids there. Ice cream and cake. I got there and I thought, oh my. This is quite a kid's birthday party. They had a kid's birthday party inside the trailer and outside was an adult full-fledged drinking party. What'd you do? I left in three seconds. No, I didn't. Uh uh-uh. uh. We eat ice cream and cake with our kids in the trailer. I went out and played a game of horseshoe. Matter of fact, a couple of them. I went ahead and talked to them a little bit. I didn't stay extremely long, thirty minutes, forty minutes, just long enough to let them know that I care for you. I'm your friend. They knew I didn't approve of their drinking. They knew that. I've sit down with both of them and talked to them about their souls. Their need of God. But you know what? I'm telling you what. You wouldn't have wanted to talk about Jacob Martin in the wrong way to any of them. They wouldn't have put up with it. I'm just telling you this. You can't win a sinner unless you're their friend. So that means there's a few things you may have to put up with that you don't like. But while you're doing that, the presence of God can be with you and help you. Got to move on. Involvement brings the blessing of laborers. Laborers. I, I analyzed my two pastors as I sat down, and I thought, you know what? We're in a desperate need in some places of laborers, preachers, missionaries. And I thought, you know what? God has called out a number of young people to become preachers, preachers' wives, workers for God from our churches that I pastored. And I thought, why was that? And God seemed to whisper to me, you know why? Because you got them involved in bus ministries, knocking on doors, witnessing to people. They were able to see people come to know God, and it got in them. And you know what happened because it got in them? God then had a heart that he could call out into the labor, labor for laborers for God. One year we lost three couples to become ministers and their wives to our church that God raised up through teenagers and God touched their heart and they called out and launched out for God. One of the blessings of my job when I moved to home missionary pastor, there was seven home missionary churches. Three of them were pastored by people that I had pastored. That was a privilege of mine to go raise money to help them, my friends. But you know what it was? They got it in them. Then God could speak. And their heart was such that they love people now. And they wanted God to use them and they developed And God could say, come, and then they followed. I think we would have more people in our pastors today, more people in the missionary field, if our churches would once again become more involved in knocking on doors and getting the kids in and getting people in and getting them saved. Why? It would spring and be a heart there of God's, and we would have no choice. It would just automatically cause some people to go. Sister Breckbill's calling for people to pray for labors, and that's scriptural, pray for labors. But I would think that we would have a lot better soil to pray that prayer if we've had more of our churches that would have been involved. One of the blessings in my life is to see God raise them up. There goes a pastor's wife. There goes a preacher. There... You say, yeah, but you lose them from your church. So what? Sometimes I think we're a little selfish.
3: What a thrill. Right.
2: Yeah, you had to do more again, didn't you, Jacob? Yep, but it's all right. I lost my right-hand person, left-hand person, all three of my best helpers. That's okay. Got to raise up some new ones or I can do it. Yeah, he knows. But I know what? By inviting them to come along with you, God raises them up. What a blessing. Labors. And it's great to be able to call some of them up for Home Missionary Services Day. I know they're not going to tell me no. I'm their pastor, former pastor, you know. Gives you a lot of good advantages. Okay, next one, involvement brings the blessings of altars being used. Alders being used. That church I told you I went to in Sunbury, the board, a board member come to me, my, I think, first or second week, and he said, Brother Martin, there has not been a new person at these altars for seven years. There hasn't been a new person from the community at these altars for seven years. I don't mean this cocky or anything, but I said that's going to have to change. That's not God's will. I don't mean this to be bragging or anything, but if somebody's not at the altar for a month and a half or praying at home, I went and prayed and asked God to help me. Help me, God. I need to be more involved in some lives of some people. I need to be knocking on some more doors. I need to be... I'm at seven years without anybody at the altar. Now, I'll tell you what. We started our children's ministry. I told you Sister Nancy got saved. Others started getting saved. The altar started getting used. And I was janitor, too. (laughs) Isn't it nice to have lots of positions in the church, Jander? Nobody wanted to do it. They didn't pay 20 bucks a week. I said, I'll do it, but it would be a man's job, not a woman's job. I'll take your 20 bucks. I can use it. Nobody else wanted to do it, so I took their 20 bucks and did a job with a couple guys that got saved. they come in to help me, older, older guys. We'd have prayer together, one, two, three. Yeah, help develop them. We had prayer. we cleaned the church together, go out for some ice cream, and had a dandy time. My favorite job was buying these. Oh, when I saw that Kleenex box go down, I thought, that's a good sign. I love to go buy Kleenexes at the store. You talk about a blessing. You be the jander and go get the Kleenex boxes. That is a blessing. And I'm not exaggerating one bet. That's exactly how I feel. It is a thrill. Because I know that means That's being used, the altar. People's talking to God, people's moving to God. And you know, my people, some of my saints, they were they're a little nervous. But you know, once I preached on some standards once in a while, it strengthened them. (laughs) So every once in a while I preach them because I wasn't afraid of those. Okay, I'm not afraid of standards. Some people might be, but I'm not. I'm afraid of some people's nonsense. They add on to the standards, extra biblical things. I'm not so impressed. But the biblical ones, I'm all for. Not every week. But, you know, they would they'd kind of straight, you know, and they'd look at him, you know. Not all of them. I had some good ones that helped me, but I had some. Uh-huh. But you know what? There's nothing any more exciting than getting down here and seeing rainbow collars happen in a lady's eyes with all that makeup. And I'd just be sitting down there praying, ready for this tears to come down and make a wash right there. <laughs> Woo! Wow. You talk about a blessing from being involved and, and then talk to them. How is it with you? Did you and Jesus clear up everything? He forgive you? Yeah, cry tears. Oh, woo. that
3: makeup—it
2: looks better down like that than it did on their eyes, to me anyway. <laughs> I'm telling you, what a blessings of altars being used. And I tell you what—I'd tell the saints, I'd say, listen this: it ought to thrill you to death that they're even moving
3: towards God. That's
2: right. Even if they don't get saved, some of them may not. But if they move to God, you ought to be rejoicing. You say, yeah, I won't give them no false confidence. If they keep moving to God, they keep reading their Bible, they keep praying, they'll get saved. Absolutely. They're not the ones that scare me anyway. That's right. I better stay out of that, that branch. I had him tell me, oh, pastor. Oh, here's what I said. I said, we're more patient with people on the missionary field than we are in America. Right. I got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that statement. What statement? That we're more patient with them on the missionary field than we're here. I said this. They can go to the mission field. They can go to the altar ten times. And we say great, wonderful, good. And I'm telling you the truth. That's right. Not They don't even get shook up. They go twice on us. If we had the power of God, they wouldn't have to go twice. I, why are you saying that? Because I have had all kinds of things said to me. But you know what? I don't let them distract me from my purpose. I know they keep moving to Jesus. Woo! Jesus is going to bring them out on the light side. But it sure helps when a few saints go around and try to extend the right hand of fellowship, show them that they love them. I have one tattoo guy's tattoo all over him, drug addict old Bob. He said to me one day, he said... Brother Martin, how's come you don't call me Brother Bob?
3: <laughs>
2: I had to thank real quick. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. By the way, I pray that lots of times. It's a good practice for us Christians before we answer, Lord, help me. You can pray them because we're not doing this all by ourselves. And the Lord quickened my mind. At least I think. And I said to him, well, you know, I called you Bob when I first met you. Some of these guys I met, it was brother and sister so-and-so. And it get in the routine." But I said, you have a point. So you know why I did? I reached out my hand and said, Brother Bob. You know why? Because that meant acceptance. Was he part of the body or not part of the body? And I think sometimes we need to be a little bit more generous on this. Because some people may take a step up if they felt like they was really accepted instead of rejected. You know, that lady called me up on the phone and finally I put it. She said, well, well my daddy, he was a preacher. Okay, I know he wasn't. <laughs> And my daddy, when they got saved, they lined up the
3: next Sunday
2: night. Same Sunday night, rather. Sunday morning, they're saved. Sunday night, they're all lined up. Everything's. I said, your daddy never saw a person from out on the street get saved then, did he? I said, I was a backslider. When I come to God, I have to measure up to the light that that God spoke to me about. I can't sort back there. I got to line up right here. To get saved. But that sinner doesn't know anything about that. God doesn't require them to line up in all these areas they don't even know about. Amen. That's right. No, that's right. Amen. She wasn't very appreciative of that. She would leave our church later on. She had a list of 12 reasons why we ought to change things in our churches. And I just told her that we'd have to give everybody the same start, same benefit like I was giving her. And anyway, she decided she'd move on, and she did. I didn't want her to move on, but she did. But you know what? I could have been really. Well, I, I did make this statement to her, but I, I, I softened it a little bit. That's kind of hard sometimes. But I asked the Lord to help me, and he does. When she's talking to me, telling me all this, I knew there was a new lady that just got saved that was sitting in her pew. Sit in her pew for a few weeks. That new lady had just talked to me about her earlier that week. And you know what she said? Everybody in this church is shaking my hand, but this one lady. Same one called me. So I was gentle. I said, you know, I said, some of these new people have told me that some person sit in their pew and never has shaken their hand. I said, Isn't that horrible?
3: <laughs>
2: uh, I was gracious because I have one to say, and it's you. And by the way there's been a few times I have there's been a few times I've had and felt like I had a right to do that for God because something needed to be dealt with but I, I do try to be pretty gracious I'm just saying this if they move towards God it ought to thrill our soul yeah. that the Holy Spirit would even be working in that vessel ought to thrill us
3: right.
2: okay Alders being used I'm thinking about Milton old Milton we was out looking for those kids, calling on Saturday. Guess who was bus captain? Me. See, I, I wasn't going to wait until everybody was going to sign up to do this work for God. Mm-mm. I was going to go ahead and lead by example, try to get whoever I could join along, but they wouldn't join and I wouldn't stop them because I was convicted and convinced it's the will of God for people to be saved. Boys, girls, teenagers, middle aged and adult. So I wasn't waiting for the whole church to jump on the bandwagon was just going to go do what to do. If I had to be the bus captain the rest of my life, I'd be the bus captain the rest of my life. If I had to drive, I'd just have to do it. Because seeing them get saved was more important than me sitting around waiting for somebody to catch the vision. Yeah. You know what happened? When I led by example, and I did the W-O-R-K thing. Not a radio station, by the way, again. W-O-R-K. And with prayer and seeking God, trying to preach, trying to preach anointed messages, trying to preach exciting messages, trying to do what God would have to do. You know what happened? God went ahead and started breaking up some different things, and then some did start to follow, and some did. But I always had to do at least a little bit, and I always wanted to. I don't want to be a pastor who just sits back and does paperwork. I know it has to be done, but I'm much sure rather be on the front lines where the people are. I tell you what, I went there to those kids I don't know if they were at home or not, but here's the way it happened. I was going by, so this older gentleman was sitting on his uh, porch. And it's my practice. I say, hi. And he said, hi. That means he wants to talk to me. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> That's exactly what that means. You didn't know that. I'm surprised you're so intelligent. <laughs> hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm heading to his porch. He talked to me. He must not talk longer. I knew that. <laughs> so I walked to him. How you doing? How's the well, you know? Hey, started talking to me. I said, Yeah. I said, Hey. I said, We have a bus that comes up here. I was just going over to the kids, neighbor kids. You probably know them. Da-da-da, you know. Da-da-da-da. We talked a little bit, and I said, Hey, why don't you get on the bus and come to church? I thought I did real good. He didn't come. Next week, I saw him again, going to the kids. I said, man, I missed you on the bus. I thought you you might come. He said, I thought you was joking. Great presentation, wasn't it? (laughs) Joking. I said, no. I said, we want you on the bus. We come by Sunday, and I rode the bus too. So I was on the bus because I like to see the flock come in anyway. And lo and behold, there's Milton in a suit, tie, looking sharp. There he's standing. He gets on the bus. We greet him, but uh, guess what happened? Two weeks later, I was preaching a gospel message. Milton, sit right up here. Don't tell any new people. They don't know better, some of them. I told them to keep the word quiet at church because they sit up front. They don't know you're not supposed to sit there. (laughs) Every one of our people that got saved, almost without exception, raised their hand just like their pastor. I didn't want him to tell you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> they come to prayer meeting. Anyway. Pastors, there's a lot to be said about this. That's
3: right.
2: When they get saved, they're going to mimic a lot of things from you. And if we're not tuned up to God and on the line and emphasizing the right things, we'll just set a course that's going to be not so good. That's right. But there he was. Hit the altar. Guess what? Milton got saved. Amen. About three or four years ago, guess what? He's still saved. Yeah, matter of fact, that man's went through more than probably most people sitting in this pew. Yeah, he's got, he's, he's like a, his children are like way under him in age. Like it's grandpa, it's almost like a grandpa, grandma, child, all, oh, but it's not. And they treat, them, treat him horrible. She's, the daughter's taken a phone before and hit him upside the head. She's taking his shoes and beating him with it. She's kicked him in the gut, ribs. She calls him all kinds of ungodly names. And he'll come to church. He's a simple man, simplistic. And he'll come to church and he'll say, you know, church is like a medicine t- He'll say, you know, I had a little tough week, but you know, I'm just gonna keep on serving Jesus. I love Jesus. I love church. Church, this is like my, this is like my family right here. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you, I'd have labored at Sunbury for nine years just for Milton. I would have. I would have. Milton's not the only one, but I would have stayed there my whole nine years for just Milton. I know mean, he still loves Jesus. He still serves Jesus. He still follows Jesus. Yet he lives with a bunch of garbage. And I know a lot of saints that are down discouraged for a lot less things than Brother Milton. But you know what? He got something real good up here. His name was Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. I know it's called being saved, but it's, there's some more to this thing being saved is having a real relationship with Jesus and when you have a real relationship with Jesus I've seen him just help Milton override the storms not be bitter not be mean not be nasty but go ahead and love I tell you what he's a hero in my book yeah I want to take for the heritage of
0: holiness that has been it I don't want